We've been talking about Jonah, not about Dylan. Um, we love Dylan, but Jonah, there's a bunch of lessons in the book of Jonah. If you're wondering where to turn in your Bible or in your Bible app, go to Jonah. Um, but we've, we started and we learned that sin and stupid both explode. Um, when God speaks to you, running from God is classified as stupid because God is everywhere. So don't matter how far you run, wherever you go, there he is. Therefore, running from God doesn't work. And so Jonah tried to run from God. Bad idea. Um, and as he, he runs, we learned that his choice and that his sin didn't just affect him. It affected everybody everywhere he went. In fact, it almost cost the life of the sailors whose boat he got on to try to run away from God. And I may have to do this without notes since my tablet doesn't want to work. Um, so Jonah, it occasionally will let me scroll, but most of the time it's just refusing. Kendra, can you grab my phone out of the little black box there? I'm gonna have to preach from my phone because the tablet doesn't want to work. So Jonah runs away, sin explodes, almost cost the life of everybody around him. The only way that they were saved is because they finally got rid of Jonah. Jonah goes, all right, you want to get rid of me? Get, ditch me. Pitch me overboard. If you throw me out of your life, you will be saved. If you keep me in your life, your life will be destroyed because I am in it. And that sucks. Um, but a lot of times in life, we have to do the same. And we have to throw some people out of our lives. I've got to pull up my notes now from here. So then as he goes on, one of the things that I found really crazy is he doesn't turn to God when a storm hits. He doesn't turn to God when it's going to cost everyone their lives. He goes, kill me. I am not going to repent and I'm not going to go to those people. They throw him overboard. And you think, okay, you just got thrown overboard. Now would be a good time to repent. Now would be a good time to go, all right, God, I'm sorry. And it says that he gets thrown in. He gets swallowed by a whale. Then, I say he's in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Then he prayed. And we talked about this last, last, last week. I think it was last week. Then he prayed. That it took him until he spent three days in the belly of a fish in order, before he would repent, before he would say, okay, God, I'm sorry. And we talked about turning to God now and not waiting until your entire life falls apart before you turn to God. Why do my notes not want to work? This is really annoying. They're all supposed to work, but... This will give me enough of a, a glimpse at them where we should be able to figure out what I'm doing. Um, then Jonah writes this, this like poem, Jonah chapter two. It's pretty crazy. As he goes, you know what? Hey, God, I, you, know, you, you saw me here in the depths and weeds are wrapped around my head and all this kind of weird stuff. And cool. Jonah chapter three, verse one is one of the coolest verses in my mind in the entire Bible. At least for me. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. And I got thinking about this, and I got thinking about this after his stupid. So what did God, God told him to go there, and he runs away. 
And if I was God, what would you do if you tell somebody, if you were God? You're like, all right. You tell somebody, you give them a word, they're your prophet, they speak for you, and you're like, all right, I have a message for you. It's very important. You need to go to this city, and this is what you need to tell them. If they looked at you and were like, no, and ran the other way. And you were like, I'll send them a little reminder. I'll send them a little storm to help them remind them that they're going the wrong way. And they're like, kill me. Yeah, he's like, as God, I'd be like, okay. Sucker. French fry. And like, like it'd be the first fry. Like it would be, he's like, somehow, you're like, if someone was stupid enough to run away, to face the storm, to not turn, to get thrown overboard, to get swallowed by a fish, you would think you'd be like, suit yourself. Digest them. Like, you'd just let the fish go through what normally happens when something a fish swallows something. You'd be like, all right, well, too bad for you. Should have listened. Should have repent. I gave you like five different chances. You heard from God, and yet you chose to run. And somehow in my mind... There's like this amount of grace, and then afterwards you're like, all right, you're stupid, it's your own fault. But God held out, and after three days, Jonah repents, fish spits up Jonah, and God doesn't go, found somebody else, you suck. I'm going to have to come up with something else for you to do that doesn't take so much effort. Apparently, you have a hard time with instructions. God just looks at him and says, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And I, in fact, my notes entitled tonight is the God of second chances. Because to me, this is just awesome that God gave him another chance. That God didn't go, that's it. That's the end. That, that God looked and goes, all right, arise and go and gives them the same instructions as before. And then we'll, we're going to skip a little bit. Jonah goes to Nineveh. He preaches to Nineveh, and they repent. We'll get to that in a little bit. But in Jonah chapter 4, verse 1, Jonah is angry at God. And this, I think, is some of the funniest verses in the Bible. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, because everybody repented. And he was angry, and he prayed to the Lord and said... Oh, Lord, is this not what I said when I was in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you were a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. What kind of a complaint is that? God, I knew that you were nice. You're kind, and you forgive, and you're loving, and you relent from sending disaster. If he wasn't kind, loving, and relenting from disaster, what would have happened to you? French fry. Like, you're, you're complaining about the very reason that you're alive. The only reason that you still exist is because God is all these things. And then he sits here and he's like, can't believe it. So mad because you're kind, gracious, loving, and forgiving. And there was two great lessons right there. Number one, I need to let God's forgiveness flow in me, but I need to let it flow through me. Because he didn't want to extend the forgiveness to others that God extended to him. But one of the things that just struck me 
Have you ever made a mistake? Ever made a really large mistake? Okay. And some people's large mistakes vary. Some people are like, I made a mistake. I got one answer wrong on a test once. It's so sad. And there are others who are like, I got one right once. And are like, <laughs> they're like, you know, I made a mistake. I think I killed somebody. But we're not going to talk about that. Um, like, they vary. And hopefully none of you guys killed anybody. And if so, hopefully it was an accident. But um, I said that and I thought, well, what if somebody actually did? Like, what if you were driving and got into a fatal car accident or... You know, who knows? There was an accident. There are people who've accidentally died, but we're going to move on. It's very easy to look at your mistakes and go, could God still use me? I lost my temper. I yelled. I screamed. Could God use me? I cheated on a test. Could God still use me? I did drugs. Could God still use me? Hey, I slept with somebody. Does that mean God can still use me. And I've sat with people through all the different things, whether they got arrested, whether they just realized that they had committed a whole bunch of stupid, whether it was a moral stupid, a legal stupid combination of the two. And I've sat across from people as they were beginning to ball going, God had plans for me, but I don't think that God could use me anymore. I made mistakes I lied, cheated, stole, slept with, had sex with, drank, smoked, got high, stole, whatever. They go through this, this list and they're like, this is now me. And they begin to try to define themselves by the mistakes that they've made. And they picture God with a big label maker going, what'd you do? You lied, liar, cheater, and just this list of different names. Is they're, they're sitting here going, I'm a drunk, whore, thief. And they just start going through this whole list. And they're like, this is me. And they think that this is what God labeled them. But I looked at Jonah. Because if I was to label Jonah, what would you label, what, what, if you, what would you label Jonah as? Coward, jerk, bitter, rude, moron. Like, you just ran. Like, what would you stick on him? And I, and I begin to look going, well, what did God do? Did God sit here and rub Jonah's face in the fact that Jonah blew it? No, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. He gets, like, he just got spit out of a fish. And God didn't, he doesn't say that he waited, just, he gets spit out, he's on the beach, and, and the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. God goes, get up, I'm not done with you yet, I can still use you. And I begin to look back because there's been times in my life where the devil, who's the accuser of the brethren, means he goes around trying to make, trying to label you by your mistakes and failures. Because if, if he was to walk up to you and label you with something that didn't make any sense, he'd be like, whatever. If I was to walk up to Keaton and be like, you. You are a crazy fat black man. And he'd just look at me like, I'm skinny white, you blind. Like, it wouldn't make, it wouldn't stick. Why? Well, because there's no relevance. Like, he, he can look in the mirror and be like, nope. Like, I can get a tan on the sun, but it don't, like, that comment isn't gonna, like, 
he knows it's irrelevant. Like, I can't tell him. Now, if I was to tell him, hey, you're good looking, he might be like, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, like, <laughs> we'll let the girls decide what's good looking. Um, but if, if there's something in a comment that you look at, whether it's good or bad, and they just make a comment that you're like, there's no connection whatsoever, it doesn't matter so much. But when there's a hint that you could believe, it doesn't make it true. But it's very easy when you've made a mistake for the devil to go through and go, see that mistake that you made? That's who you are. If you've never stolen anything, it's very hard for the devil to walk up and go, you're a thief. You're like, what'd I steal? And they're like, but if you cheat on a test, very easy for the devil to go, look at you. You're a liar and a cheater. You're never going to amount to anything. You're just going to cheat your way through and it's going to bite you in the butt later. Now your life is ruined. Now it's really going to show up on the next test because you're going to go to try to pass the next test and they're going to realize that if you got that bad of a grade on this test, they're going to find out that you were cheating. And all of a sudden he begins to create this pit of condemnation and like of stickiness. Like in this con condemning you for what you did and trying to make you locked into the world of the mistake that he's trying to label you with. But the Bible looks and goes that God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from our unrighteousness. And he says that in Psalms 103 verse 12 that he removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. And I begin to look at this going, well, this is different than how I think I would do it. If I was God, it goes through in Ephesians 2.10 and says that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. We have the great commission laid out for us in Mark chapter 16. And I begin to look at all these things. I'm like, well, yeah, if this is what God's called me to do. This is what we're called for. But what if, what if I make mistakes? What if I'm not good enough? And it's very easy to disqualify ourselves. And he'd be like, you know what? God, that's a great idea. Use somebody else. God, I wish you could use me. But I'm hopeless. But I just tried to kill myself. But I just did drugs again. But I just cut again. But I just slept with somebody else again. But I just cheated again. But I just lied. And the list is a mile long of these different things. And it's so easy to believe that these things define us and disqualify us and that God couldn't get over our mistake. But there's this, I'm not using my notes much, but anyways, I'll use one verse in my notes. Romans 5.8. God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It references a few times throughout the, the Bible that Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. That means Jesus looked at you before he created the world and said, I love you enough. I know you're going to sin. I will send my son to pay the price that you couldn't pay for you because I love you. And then it goes through and says that he loved us 
while we're yet sinners. Yet the devil tells us that once we've sinned, God must be angry and not love us anymore. And I got thinking about how stupid that was one day. Because when you're in the moment, it makes perfect sense. And you feel it, and you, you sin, and you come up, and you're like, I can't engage in worship because of what I've done, and da, da, da. And all these lies come up. If God knew you before he created the earth, did he know what you were going to do before you did it? If he knew me before the beginning of the world, he obviously can see and knows the future before it happens. So my sin is not a surprise to God. Is God mad at you for your sin before you commit it? Okay, so before you make a mistake, God's not like, you suck, you're going to make a mistake tomorrow. Okay? So when I make a mistake, is God all of a sudden going, oh, you suck. Can't believe it. You made a mistake today. Is he surprised? And I got thinking about this, not as a license to sin, but a revelation of how great his love is that he loved me already knowing the mistakes that I was going to make. And my mistakes have no bearing against the love that God has for me. And to realize that the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And that the word of the Lord will come to me a second time. And that the calling of God will come to you another time. And as I began to look at Jonah, I thought, well, Jonah, you know, so he ran from God. But what if I did something worse? And I begin to look through the Bible at some of the different people that God used. David. He's a king in the Old Testament that God used. In fact, later it said that David had a heart after God. David lied, committed adultery, and killed her husband to cover it up. Then he, he went on for a little while, and then a prophet came to him and called him out on it, and he repented and realized that he'd been stupid. And God used him. Paul wrote most of the books of the New Testament. You know how we first find him in the Bible? Murdering Christians. And I got thinking about this going, if God could still love somebody who started out by hunting down Christians to murder them, Could God still love me? And then I began to look at, at the book of Jonah again. And I remembered all these people that Jonah went to preach to. This wicked city that was famous for its brutality. And what happened to them? So Jonah came and it was so bad that the message that God gave to him was that he was going to destroy the city in 40 days. I don't know what and all they were doing, but it was bad. Jonah began to preach. In Jonah 3, um, it goes through, and the people of Nineveh, this is verse 5, believed God, they called for a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. 
The word reached the king. In verse 7, it says, He issued a proclamation published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king, his nobles, that neither man nor beast or flock taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water. And in verse 8, he goes on and says, Let everyone turn from his evil way, from the violence that is in his hands. This guy repents along with the city that was so wicked. And God's response was to forgive him. Jonah was ticked because God forgave him. God's forgiveness was so great that Jonah couldn't understand it. That Jonah was like, it's not fair that you could forgive them because I don't want to. And there's, there's some more lessons as, as Jonah was so angry because the world had become all about him. And he was more concerned with a little plant that was giving him shade than he was with the lives of over 120,000 people. I got thinking about this God who counted all of the people, who knew the number of hairs on our heads, the God that says, I love you, and I have a plan for you, and even when you make mistakes, I still love you. I still have a plan for you. I haven't given up on you. I really believe that there are some in here who needed to hear that. You may have given up on yourself. Said, you know what? This is the label that I've been. So I guess this is all I'll ever be. I bet God had a plan for me. Not anymore. This is all I am. This is all I'm good for. This is, this is just what I've become. And to hear that God doesn't see you that way, that God goes, I still love you, and I still have a plan for you. I want to forgive you. Will you receive it? There's a few others in here who need to hear that God wants to forgive and you need to too. Because there's some who are like, glad God forgave me. No way he could forgive them. Forgiving them doesn't make what they did right. I've watched, talked to a lot of people who don't want to forgive somebody because they're like, what they did to me was wrong. I know. That's the reason you forgive them. When they bring you cookies, you say thank you. When they kick you, it's when you need to forgive them. And there's someone here who've got some bitterness that you need to forgive. And you go, all right, God, you forgave me. Not me, forgive them. And there's a bunch of people who say, you know what? I need to receive that forgiveness. I need to stop picturing myself through my mistakes and failures and flaws. I want to walk the plan that God has for me. If God still has a plan for me after all I've done, I want to know that God. I want to live for that God. And I want to see him turn my life around and do something awesome with my life. Romans chapter 8, verse 20. That God 
works all things together for good of those um, who are loved and called. And he goes through and he goes, not that I cause everything, but I can take anything, no matter how much of a mess, and I can turn it around. That's not a license to get into a mess. But it's such great news when you're in a mess. I've talked to so many people in pain and hurt and looked at me and they're like, this sucks. How could God ever pull anything good out of this? And I've talked to other people that are hurting and broken and they look at me and they just almost with like a contempt and just go, you don't understand. You don't understand the depths of this brokenness. My wife grew up in the epitome of dysfunction and brokenness. Hurt and abuse. There was mistakes made by a lot of other people on her and there was mistakes that she made. Today, the pain that she went through has saved numerous lives and helped put numerous lives back on track. Because people who look at me and go, you don't understand have sat down with her and she's, they looked at her and they're like, you don't understand. She goes, yeah, I do. Like, how could you understand? How could you understand what it's like to be abused? Because I was. You. All the time. Because they just look at her and they're like, you married Pastor Daniel. You must have had a perfect life. <laughs> and then they hear the story and they're like, oh. And, and God still uses you and it wasn't just the things that happened to you. I mean, you made horrible choices too. And God forgave you and gave you a fresh start and still has a plan for you and still loves you. Yeah. And I've had some interesting conversations with her where she's looked at me and said, you know, some of these things were so painful and took so long and took years as I began to receive healing and had to go into God's word and to find out how God saw me. But oh, how many lives I've gotten to touch. Oh, how many girls have been in my place who didn't think there was hope, who I've gotten to give hope to. There are some in here who go, who need to know that God can take your mess and turn it around. He can turn your mess into a message. He can turn this disaster into a story of hope. Not that I would get into a disaster to have a story of hope. But oh, it can be turned around. When my youngest was born, we spent 23 days in the neonatal intensive care unit. She came two months early sucks. While we were there, we got to see some lives changed. As we prayed for people there, 
My wife went back because she built a relationship with some of the other moms that were hurting and broken and brought some cookies and met somebody who was hurting and broken because their baby was born without a brain. And, sorry, no, that was a different one that was born without a brain. That one was born with cancer. And went through, was able to give them cookies and begin to pray for them. Through this process, that baby ended up healed of cancer that blew the doctors away because it wasn't the doctors that healed the baby of cancer. It was the prayer and the help that they sought that came through, starting with a, a sad story, some love and some cookies, that then led them back to God, brought them back to church, got the whole family saved, and began to get the family baptized. Because we were willing to go, God, this is a mess, but can you turn it around? I wouldn't wish this upon my enemy. Could you turn it around? I don't know what's going on in your life. And I know that there are people at different spots. There's some people who go, there's a mess that's happened to me, and I wonder, could God use it? There are others in here who go, I am a mess. <laughs> I made mistakes. God goes, I still love you. I'm not done with you. Will you receive the forgiveness that I offer? Because I still have a plan for you. And there are others who go, I, I need to extend this forgiveness that God offered me. I can't complain that God's a loving, kind, and forgiving God. I need to extend that love, kind, forgiving God's forgiveness to those around me. And I don't know where you're at, but I want to challenge everybody to apply it. But there's a bunch of people who say, I need to receive that forgiveness. Some of you guys have turned your back because you're like, what else could I do? I've made too many mistakes. Go ahead, bow your heads, close your eyes. If you're here and say, you know what, I, I want to receive the forgiveness that God offers for me because I haven't been living for God. I didn't know if God even still wanted me. But I, I want to know that God has a second chance for me. I want to receive that forgiveness, that God that loves me, even though he knows all the mistakes that I've made and could ever make. I want to know that God. I want to receive that forgiveness. If that's you. When I say three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise up your hands nice and high. So that's me. Awesome. Who else says that's me? Awesome. Who else says that's me? All right. You can put your hands down. We're going to say a simple prayer because God loves you and wants to forgive you. He tells us that if we believe in our heart, confess with our mouth, that we can be saved. So we're going to make a declaration who Jesus is, what he's done, and that we're going to follow him. If you've done this before, go ahead and join us. As we repent and declare him to be Lord. Say, God, I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. I believe that you died and rose again. Thank you for washing my sins away. I want to live for you every day. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.